0: Welcome back to I Made a Biology Podcast to Help Me Study. My name is Elise Pham, and I will be helping out with some of the future episodes. If you have any ideas on some topics you would like me to cover, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at E-L-I-P-H-A-M-2. So today I will be covering topic 8.2, which is cellular respiration For HL biology. So to start off, cellular respiration is the controlled release of energy from organic compounds to produce ATP. So the energy is stored in the bonds of organic molecules such as carbohydrates, lipids, and proteins. And just to state the formula for cellular respiration, Um, It is glucose plus oxygen that is converted into energy plus water plus carbon dioxide. And the chemical formula for this is C6H12O6 glucose plus six molecules of O2 oxygen, which is converted into ATP plus six molecules of H2O water plus six molecules of carbon dioxide, which is CO2. Now, um, cellular respiration can be broken down into a series of anaerobic and aerobic reactions. So, anaerobic respiration occurs without oxygen, and this would be glycolysis. And aerobic cellular respiration occurs with oxygen, and this would be like the link reaction, the Krebs cycle, and the electron transport chain. Um, so to start off, cellular respiration involves the oxidation and reduction of compounds. So oxidation is the... Loss of an electron or a hydrogen ion, and reduction is the gain of an electron or a hydrogen ion. So the first step in cellular respiration is glycolysis. And glycolysis occurs in the cytoplasm of the cell, and glycolysis is anaerobic, which means it does not need oxygen to occur. So glycolysis gives a small net gain of ATP without the use of oxygen. So um, I'm going to go through the steps of glycolysis in detail just to give you guys, you know, an overview. But in simple terms, in glycolysis, a 6-carbon glucose is converted to 2, 3-carbon pyruvates and it gives a net gain of 2 ATP. Now, in glycolysis, it starts off with a 6-carbon glucose, and this is the endergonic phase. So, um, glycolysis is broken down into two phases. There's the endergonic phase, and then the exergonic phase. So, again, in the In the endergonic phase, a 6-carbon glucose is phosphorylated to produce fructose 1,6-bisphosphate, and this reaction uses 2-ATP, so using 2-ATP, a 6-carbon glucose is converted into fructose 1,6-bisphosphate. Now, fructose one six bisphosphate is unstable, so it breaks up into two triose phosphates. Now, the names of these two triose phosphates are D H A P and G A P. Now, um, these two triose phosphates, they are then. Um, converted into two pyruvates in substrate level phosphorylation. And in substrate level phosphorylation, four ADP are made into four ATP and two NAD plus are reduced into two NADH plus H plus. So again, in the exergonic phase, two triose phosphates are converted into 2-pyruvates, um, and 4-ATP are made, and 2 NADs plus are reduced to 2-NADH plus H+. Plus. So in all glycolysis, um, we'll have a net gain of 2-ATP, two 2-NADH two plus H+. Plus. And, of course, two pyruvates. Now, these two pyruvates, they will now move on into the link reaction. And the link reaction happens in the mitochondrial matrix. So now we're moving on to the aerobic part of cellular respiration. So in the link reaction, pyruvate is converted into acetyl coenzyme A. So what happens in the link reaction is that um, there is a net gain of one reduced NAD plus and one carbon dioxide molecule. So in the link reaction, pyruvate is decarboxylated. This means that an ox that a carbon dioxide is removed. Sorry, let me repeat that again. In pyruvate In the link reaction, pyruvate is decarboxylated to produce carbon dioxide. And then the NAD plus is reduced to produce NADH plus H plus. So this pyruvate, it actually binds with coenzyme A and it creates acetyl coenzyme A. And the fate of this acetyl coenzyme A will be in the Krebs cycle. So now we're moving on to the Krebs cycle. Um, In the Krebs cycle, which also happens in the mitochondrial matrix, the oxidation of acetyl groups is coupled to the reduction of hydrogen carriers. So the Krebs cycle um, makes NADH plus H plus and FADH2 and these are reduced electron carriers. So for each turn of the Krebs cycle, make sure you know this, um, each turn of the Krebs cycle produces 3 NADH plus H plus, which is reduced NAD. So you can say each turn of the Krebs cycle produces 3 molecules of reduced NAD. It also produces 1 molecule of reduced FAD, which is also one molecule of FADH2, and then it also produces one ATP molecule. And this is going to be for each pyruvate molecule. So um, for one glucose molecule, which is a 6-carbon glucose, the Krebs cycle will, will turn twice. So for each pyruvate, the Krebs cycle will turn once. Okay, so again in the Krebs cycle, the oxidation of acetyl groups is coupled to the reduction of hydrogen carriers. So after the link reaction, acetyl coenzyme A actually binds with a 4-carbon molecule to produce a 6-carbon citric acid molecule. And this 6-carbon citric acid will go through a few phases to become a 5-carbon and then a 4-carbon molecule. So this 6-carbon citric acid, um, it is first converted into a 5-carbon molecule, and this produces one reduced NAD and one waste product of carbon dioxide. So now after it becomes a 5-carbon molecule, this process happens again. So from the 5-carbon molecule to the 4-carbon molecule, it produces one more reduced NAD and then one more carbon dioxide molecule, and then it goes through a few more um, oxidation Reduction cycles and this will produce another ATP, another reduced NAD, and also a reduced FAD, which is FADH2. So, overall, this six carbon citric acid molecule goes through a cycle of the oxidation of acetyl groups and the reduction of hydrogen carriers, and it produces 3 NADH plus H+, 1 FADH2, and 1 ATP for each turn of the Krebs cycle. And this cycle will um, happen twice for each glucose. Now, these reduced electron carriers, they will then go to the electron transport chain and the electron transport chain will occur in the cristae of the mitochondria and it's important to remember that the structure of the mitochondria actually helps with its function. So the cristae of the mitochondria are these folds in the mitochondria that increase its surface area. And by increasing its surface area, it can increase the rate at which it produces ATP. So again, the electron transport chain occurs on the cristae of the mitochondria and there will be hydrogen ions that will go in between the intermembrane space and the mitochondrial matrix. So the electron transport chain is the transfer of electrons between carriers in the electron transport chain, and it is coupled to proton pumping. So the reduced NAD and FAD they're carried to the cristae and then the electrons that they hold first jump to the first proton or first protein and the electron transport chain. Then it will move to the next protein and the next protein and the next protein until it goes all the way down the chain. However, um, these electrons, whenever they go down the Electron transport chain, um, they actually have energy that will allow these proteins to pump hydrogen ions from the matrix to the intermembrane space. So, again, um, reduced NAD and FAD supply. Um, pairs of hydrogen atoms to the first carrier in the chain, and these hydrogen atoms are split and release electrons that will pass from carrier to carrier in the chain. So whenever um, these electrons pass from carrier to carrier, energy is released, and this is used to transfer protons or hydrogen ions across the inner mitochondrial membrane, from the matrix to the intermembrane space. So as electrons continue to flow along the chain and more and more protons are pumped across the inner mitochondrial membrane, a concentration gradient of proton builds up in the intermembrane space. And one important thing to note is that the inner membrane space, it has a very small volume. So this allows the proton gradient to build up very, very fast. And this is important when we want to create ATP. So to allow the electrons to flow um, they must be transferred to a terminal electron acceptor at the end of the chain. So this is a, a very important phrase to know, but oxygen is the final electron acceptor in the electron transport chain. So when the electrons, they jump from protein to protein to protein, and they provide that energy to pump protons to the intermembrane space, they need to go somewhere. So, oxygen accepts these electrons, and oxygen will also bind with you know, free protons in the matrix. And as a result, this will produce water. So, that is where the waste product of water comes from. So, just remember that oxygen is the final electron acceptor, and this produces water. Now, for the fates of the hydrogen ions that are in the intermembrane inner membrane space, since um, the concentration, concentration gradient of protons is high in the intermembrane space, they need to go somewhere. So, they will all flow back down the concentration gradient to the mitochondrial matrix but they will flow through ATP synthase and whenever these protons flow down ATP synthase they will provide the energy that will phosphorylate ADP to make ATP and this is where we get a large buildup of ATP. So again, these protons that have built up in the inner membrane space, they will flow down the concentration gradient back into the mitochondrial matrix and they will flow through ATP synthase to phosphorylate ADP to make ATP. And this process is called chemiosmosis. So chemiosmosis is whenever protons Flow down the concentration gradients through ATP synthase to help phosphorylate ADP into ATP. And the entire process of the electron transport chain is called oxidative phosphorylation. And the definition for oxidative phosphorylation is that energy, energy released by oxidation reactions is carried to the cristae of the mitochondria by reduced NAD and FAD. So, I know those are pretty big terms, so again to differentiate them, the entire process of the electrons jumping from protein to protein and the concentration gradient building up, that is called oxidative phosphorylation. And the smaller process of the protons providing the energy to phosphorylate ADP into ATP, that process is called chemiosmosis. And that basically sums up topic 8.2. So I'm going to do a quick review again. Um, cellular respiration has multiple steps, which is glycolysis, the link reaction, Krebs cycle, and then the electron transport chain, which includes oxidase, oxidative phosphorylation and chemiosmosis. And glycolysis is anaerobic, meaning that it does not need oxygen and it Glycolysis, it produces a net gain of 2 ATP, 2 reduced NAD, and 2 pyruvate. And then in the link reaction, the pyruvate is converted into acetyl coenzyme A. Then in the Krebs cycle, we have a net gain of 3 NAD. H plus H plus and remember we also got one reduced NAD from the link reaction as well and in the krebs cycle we also get one reduced FAD and then one ATP and this happens for each turn and there are two turns for each glucose molecule and then in the electron transport chain those reduced electron carriers which are reduced NAD and reduced FAD, they provide the energy for protons to be pumped across the inner mitochondrial membrane into the inner membrane space. And this provides a concentration gradient to phosphorylate ADP into ATP when the protons flow back down ATP synthase. And remember, oxygen is the final electron acceptor. So thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out.